No matter where you're from, you've all probably heard stories of different creatures and myths around waterways and rivers and areas around you. Does something sinister lurk beneath the surface? Have you heard the untold tales of the Ozarks waterways? From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller, conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten, and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. We'll start with a little history lesson of Lake of the Ozarks. The Bagnell Dam began construction in 1929 and went into operation in 1931. It dammed the Osage River to create the Lake of the Ozarks. The maximum depth of the lake is 130 feet. Now, those depths, they can hide a lot of things. There's a lot of different stories. The most common that that you hear, almost any man-made lake, tales of giant catfish. Indeed, indeed. These are always stories told by a friend of a friend. It's never a first-hand account, it seems like. Uh, a diver, somebody just, you know, on, on the lakeshore. Typically, these, these giant catfish are seen by deep-water divers uh, working by the intake gates of the dam. Uh, the stories seem pretty consistent. The divers will always come up, and they vow that they'll never go down in the lake again. They'll tell stories of catfish with heads as big as Volkswagen bugs, a catfish big enough to swallow a man whole. Some of the stories include catfish actually swallowing people and spitting them back out, grabbing a leg or an arm. Uh, again, like I said, these stories are they're, they're very rarely ever first-hand accounts. Now, there was a, a diver interviewed by the show River Monsters, which is going to get mentioned quite a few times today, I think. Yes, yes. He claimed to have seen flatheads in the 200 to 300 pound range down in the lake. He was a salvage diver. We'd go down in boat wrecks and things like that. Uh, in the 1970s, a helicopter tour, a woman on a helicopter tour, thought she saw several fish swimming around a boat near the dam that were longer than the boat. Whatever it was that the guy was using for bait apparently was attracting these, these giants from the depths. So I would assume, I mean, a guy out there at Lake of the Ozarks, for those of you who might not be familiar with Lake of the Ozarks, uh, Probably the average size boat would be 18, 20 foot, maybe. Uh, yeah, I mean, a fishing boat, reasonable fishing boat. Even, I mean, even the, the smaller boats, let's say 10 foot, if it's just like a, like a John boat or something. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, and again, seeing, seeing anything in Lake of the Ozarks, I'd say your range of visibility is probably in inches. It's, it's known as murky water. Yeah, it's, for it's sure. murky water. Indeed. Now these, these giant fish are often blamed for drowning victims that are never found, which unfortunately happens on the lake from time to time. It is a very heavily trafficked lake, which means there are, there are accidents every year that claim people's lives. There are, years ago on the Strip, there was a site called the Missouri Aquarium. It had a five-foot-long catfish in, a, in an aquarium that had been caught out of the lake. Now, that's a big catfish in itself. Absolutely. What made it special was that it had bite marks around its middle. So what, something in the lake thought it was big enough to try to eat a five-foot catfish, which just fuels the rumors of these giant catfish down there in the lake. Now, as far as records and, and fish, the biggest catfish ever caught in Lake of the Ozarks so far is 103 pounds, which is a big catfish. 
Uh, the largest fish ever caught in Lake of the Ozarks was a 134-pound paddlefish. They get pretty big. If you've ever seen them, they're kind of monstrous themselves. But uh, they are basking feeders. They, they swim around with their mouths open and collect little microscopic creatures that they eat. They wouldn't be dangerous to people. And probably wouldn't be attacking a five-foot catfish. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> now, uh, just to get into catfish a little bit and catfish stories, to give you some background, you know, I uh, I was curious, could there be man-eating catfish out there? So I got to looking up the largest catfish in the world. We've got four or five, four, let's say four examples here. You have the goonch catfish of India. It can range from 200, it can be up to 220 pounds, six foot, six inches long. And the goonch have been known to attack people. They do have uh, teeth in their mouth. I think your normal catfish has a, a rough sandpapery mouth right. texture. Correct. Whereas the goonch actually has, like bony teeth they have been known to grab people um they're more or less opportunistic feeders uh in that part of the world they do funeral pyres on the river where they put a you know kind of like a viking funeral sure and the goonch take advantage of the body parts so they're they're scavengers you have the wells catfish of europe up to seven 317 pounds nine foot one inches long wow that's a monster fish they're wow. they're very big and then you have the Mekong catfish in China, up to 770 pounds, 9 foot 8 inches long. Holy moly. And, and the Mekong catfish looks huge when you see it compared to a man, but you have to think, a 9 foot fish is still like half tail, you've got all the internal organs, you've got the muscles, even a fish that big isn't going to be big enough to swallow a man whole. Considering an average man, 5'10", 6 foot-ish, yeah, I mean, yeah. There, there's not going to be enough room in there, yeah. Now, the only one that, that, that actually has accounts of attacking and killing people is the, the Pyreba catfish in the Amazon. They can be up to 12 feet long and 440 pounds. Now, they're a little bit lighter, but they are significantly longer. There are accounts of them attacking human beings, with one documented account of a Pyreba trying to swallow a man head and shoulders first. Neither man nor catfish survived this encounter. I'm assuming the man drowned, the fish suffocated itself trying to swallow the guy. So even the 12-foot fish... That big is not capable of swallowing a human being. So going back to your story with the helicopter and the John boat that we were talking about, that would have been pushing or about the same size that they might have saw from the air. You know, yeah. 10-foot John boat, 12-foot fish. Okay. All right. And, but again, in the lake, you know, the biggest the biggest known catfish is 103 pounds. Yeah. So. Nowhere near that. Nowhere near that. Now, even without monster catfish in the lake, there is another monstrous fish that has come up from time to time. And I think you looked into that a little bit more. That would be a piranha. When I first heard this story, I was like, piranha in Missouri? What in the world? But, uh, yeah, actually, History Channel's Monster Quest, um, they did actually a TV series or a show called Piranha Invasion. It was uh, March of 2010. Uh, for those of you who might not know, uh, River Monsters is a British-American uh, documentary television show out of uh, United Kingdom. Uh, it's hosted by extreme angler biologist Jeremy Wade. He travels all over the world and checks out river creatures, river monsters. He actually was here at uh, Lake of the Ozarks, uh, just north of us uh, here in Lebanon, Missouri, and did some diving, did some studies on some recent piranha sightings, actually some live ones that were caught a um, couple years in a row, and these were about an 8-inch slab piranha. Now, you know, 8-inch, that's a pretty good-sized piranha. It's, you know, dinner plate size, if you will. Now, don't they say that the piranha in the lake, those are released by aquarium owners? If you talk to Missouri Conservation or a lot of those sites, they totally scoff 
the piranhas living in Missouri as just fake hoaxes, if you will. Fake news. Yeah, <laughs> fake news. I mean, somebody had this in an aquarium. It got too big to take care of them, so we dumped them. Uh, but still, it's semi-common. Uh, lake Springfield down in Springfield, Missouri, just south of us, they've caught them in that little tiny lake. Uh, and I think they were like a five-inch uh, we've caught uh, several eight-inch, like I said, up around Lake of the Ozarks area, uh, just fishing, fishing around the dam area, fishing around uh, all those areas. And the lake, of course, is a big area, but uh, several years in a row they've been catching these. And I was going to say, I think they average one or two a year, from yeah, what I understand. That's a lot of people randomly dumping piranhas out of their aquarium. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm no expert, of course, but that, that seems a little strange. But that's kind of some of the stuff that brought Jeremy Wade here and when they filmed the Monster Quest show. And he went down diving, and he wanted to prove, you know, could it be possible that however the piranha got here, most likely dumped out of aquariums, but could they survive? Uh, for those of you who may not be familiar with Missouri weather, we can get everything. I mean, but uh, we do have a, well, a winter season. Say we're, we're sitting here in January, and it's 70 degrees outside. So. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shorts weather, but uh, two days ago, uh, the temperature dropped down to 20 degrees. So, I mean, welcome to Missouri. But one of the things that Jeremy stated... And it's kind of a proven fact is that piranha can, in fact, adapt to cooler water. Not saying that they're going to thrive, but they can adapt and can live there. Based upon his research and findings and some speculation, he believed that piranha could, in fact, survive in certain areas of the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, he stated that there is successfully piranha living in waters that is 55 degrees Fahrenheit. And due to the underground springs in the Lake of the Ozarks, there are several areas that never dip below 55 degrees, even in the hardcore winter months. Which kind of goes back to the catfish thing I wanted to bring up. Missouri is known as the cave state. Uh, hundreds, if not thousands, of caves all across Missouri. And a good portion of those are underwater. So for a giant catfish, piranhas, whatever creatures may lurk beneath those murky waters, Definitely that adds some sustenance, I think, to some of these stories that just because they may not always come to the lakeside surface, you may not see them, it would definitely give them a place where they could live. Yeah, how many, how many caves got flooded in the process of creating Lake of the Ozarks? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. We're going to talk about something else that got flooded later on in the show. So uh, the question's still out there, could they survive? It's not the fact that they're not here. We've had several accounts that they are there, but... Um, Definitely kind of, I know the Lex, when I first heard the piranhas being caught and we went up to the Lake of the Ozarks, it makes you kind of hesitate a little bit before you put your toe in the water. Well, Lake of the Ozarks supposedly has a lot of things that people don't, aren't readily aware of. Uh, I read about jellyfish, which I thought you could only have jellyfish in the ocean. Born and raised right here in Missouri, uh, while we were doing this research together for this podcast, uh, I come across that and I had to reread it twice. Like, what? Jellyfish? Missouri? And apparently, uh, even by the Missouri Conservation Agent, um, in particular lakes, especially Palm de Terre Lake here in Missouri, dime-sized to nickel-sized je uh, freshwater jellyfish, tentacles and everything, uh, survive and actually thrive in certain areas, especially can be seen in the fall. Now, they, they can't sting. They or cannot they, sting. They can't sting people anyway. Correct. Correct. But uh, again, I mean, I was born and raised around this area. I can't tell you how many times we've been to the lakes and... I guess I've never been at the right time, right place to, to find them. We used to go camping yearly on Lake of the Ozarks when I was growing up. I don't remember ever seeing jellyfish. I will say I saw a giant catfish, but of course I was probably five, six years old, and my uncle caught 
I'm going to say probably a three foot catfish. So <laughs> giant. I mean, it was big to me, big to you. I remember uh, with my uncle and my dad, we used to run uh, trot lines and, and uh, limb lines and stuff. And it was nothing to go down the rivers and we'd be able to pull up, you know, 18, 24 inch catfish. And I mean, they put up a heck of a fight. I can only imagine, you know, a six foot or 12 <laughs> foot or, or larger size. It would be just gargantuan. Well, we're going to move south down to the Arkansas, Missouri state line. We're going to talk about the White River. The White River is uh, a river that runs through northern part of Arkansas, southern part of Missouri, down south from, of Branson. It has a creature that the locals call Whitey, sort of in response to uh, Nessie, since uh, they both seem to come to prominence at roughly the same point in time. Early tales exist of a creature in the White River overturning a canoe of a Quapaw Indian and even sinking a Confederate gunboat during the Civil War. It's the the river monster that could have turned the tide of the war. Wow. The first documented sighting of something in the White River came in December of 1912. There were timber workers working on floating rafts of cedar uh, just below Branson when they saw something large and strange at the bottom of the river. They couldn't quite make it out. They estimated whatever it was, it had to be 300 pounds or more. They believed it was a giant turtle. They went back and tried to catch it to no luck. They, they, they couldn't find it again. Now, uh, the rest of the sightings happened mainly in Arkansas, just about the same location in Arkansas every time. Uh, in 1915, July 1st, some local farmers saw what they described as a monster in the White River. Uh, they described it as having gray skin. It was as wide as a car and as long as three cars. Goodness gracious. Now, I did read somewhere uh, in, in doing my research that, that any expert in judging the length and, and the size of things underwater says that your average person is going to exaggerate by about 50% when they see something underwater. Water obviously distorts, you know, you can look in crystal clear water that looks like it's a foot deep and it's 10 foot deep. Gotcha. Makes sense. So again, he said the common man tends to exaggerate the size of anything they see in the water by, by about 50%. But still, that that's still, you know, pretty large for the that's area. Substantial. That is substantial. In 1924, a woman from Little Rock claimed to have seen the creature while vacationing with her husband and children. Said it terrified her. They, they, they were horrified by this, this creature. It surfaced and thrashed about for about five minutes, making a blowing noise, and described it as having a dingy gray hide. The dingy, the hide is always described as, as being gray in color. Now, that's important. It's, it's a pretty common thread, pretty dis common descriptor for this creature. In the first week of 1937, just below the city of Newport, this creature was spotted again by plantation workers working for Bramlett Bateman, about six miles downstream from Newport, Arkansas. Bramlett went to see for himself what was going on, and he described the creature as having skin of an elephant. Again, that gray skin. Seen a lot of similarities skin. through the years. He said it was four or five feet wide and maybe 12 feet long, which kind of goes with the exaggeration we talked about. Had the face of a catfish, and it just seemed to be lolling on the surface of the water. The White River Monster never seems to be aggressive. doesn't attack anyone. He got County Deputy Z.B. Reed to come out with him, and they made another sighting. The deputy described a lot of foam or bubbles that came up in a circle about 30 feet in diameter. And when the creature emerged, Reed said it looked like a large sturgeon or a catfish. It's almost like it's coming up to the top to breathe in air and, and to surface. Possibly. Interesting. Um, Bateman wanted to use TNT to blow up the monster. He <laughs> uh, he feared it was going to be a hazard to his crops. He was worried about that. All righty then. Of course, he was prevented by Arkansas Game and Fish. Now, the locals began building a rope net about the same time. It was going to be 40 feet long, 15 feet wide, with a 6 to 8 inch mesh. They were going to capture this creature. They wanted to. They wanted to catch it. They never caught it. They ran out of money to build the net, so they couldn't finish <laughs> it. Money and materials. 
River diver Charles Brown from Memphis was brought in. Uh, I think he had served in the Navy and was known for being a river diver. He would wore a one of those old-fashioned, you know, heavy diving suits that would sink him to the bottom, and he'd walk along. He went looking for the monster. He carried an eight-foot sharp, or an eight-foot razor-sharp harpoon. Uh, quotes, just in case. The man meant business. Yeah, of course. Uh, like any Missouri waterway, Ozarks waterway, he churned up a bunch of muck walking on the bottom. He couldn't see much more than three, four inches in front of his face. Never saw the creature. We skip up to the summer of 1971. There's a pretty good gap there. They say about every 40 years, which means we're overdue for another sighting at this point. 1971, a creature described as the size of a boxcar. That's a pretty big creature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some said it had a bone protruding from its forehead. Others said it had a spiny back. It was about 20 feet long. Looked as if it was peeling all over, but had a very smooth skin otherwise. Peeling all over. Interesting. Uh, made noises like a combination of a cow's moo and a horse's neigh. Kind of a livestock sound. July 5th, the Jackson County Sheriff reported discovering strange tracks just north of the eddy that was searched in 1937. Almost the same exact spot that it was found in, in before. Coincidence? Maybe not. The, toe, the, the tracks were 14 inches long with three toes and a spur projecting from the heel. It seems a, an odd little detail. Yeah. Um, there was crushed vegetation and broken tree, broken trees um, as evidence that something large had passed through there. So obviously it is out of the water. Yeah, it is on land. Not now. just a sea, not just a, a river monster. Maybe the guy was onto something that was fearing for his crops. There were uh, two investigators took to the river in a small boat. They saw nothing, but as they were going down the river, something bumped up against the bottom of their boat. And then suddenly their boat just seemed to rise straight up out of the water. I believe they were on the back of this creature for a, for a few minutes. Wow. And then it went back under. And that is the last sighting of, of Whitey, the White River Monster. 1973, Arkansas State Legislature signed into law a bill creating the White River Monster Refuge. Located between the southern point of the river known as Old Grand Glaze and the northern point known as Rosie, it is illegal to harm the monster in the refuge. I love that. I love that. As a matter of fact, there's, there are parks along the river there, and if you go, state, state park officials will tell you that you cannot harm the monster. If you have to grab anything when you see it, grab a camera. They want proof that it exists. <laughs> now, as far as describing what the creature was, some believe it was an elephant seal. Now, of course, this part of uh, the country would be well outside of elephant seal range. Northern elephant seals would cover uh, the Pacific coast from the northern, northern Mexico, United States, and Canada. That's the wrong side of the country. Yeah, total opposite, total opposite. And the southern elephant seals migrate from Antarctic waters to Argentina, New Zealand, and South Africa, which would be the wrong side of the ocean. Heck of a trip, heck of a trip. So, now those animals average about 5,000 pounds, 14 feet in length, gray skin, three-toed tracks. Uh, they do molt in the summertime. Kind of fits the bill. And they have a farm animal light call. If you've ever seen elephant seals on a Discovery Channel or, or any kind of nature documentary, they're pretty, pretty rough-sounding creatures. The bone could possibly be the inflatable trunk of an elephant seal. Especially males, the bulls have a, a where, big where they get their name. proboscis. Yes. Some people suggest it was also either a huge fish or maybe a manatee. Manatees have been known to swim up from up the Mississippi River into these freshwater rivers. Huh? Um, they're typically found in the Gulf of Mexico and along the Atlantic coast, as well as in freshwater rivers along the coast. Uh, there is a documented case in 2006 of one swimming 720 miles up the Mississippi and entering into the Wolf River near Memphis, where it was later found dead in a reservoir. I was actually just watching a TV series uh, last week, and uh, they had filmed a manatee in the Louisiana uh, bayou area. It had come up through the swamps and everything there. And, of course, with all the hurricanes and the water changing and everything, 
So uh, that, that that would be believable. One last little detail here. This is uh, it's going to be hard to believe, but white river monster spines can be used to as the core of magic wands Ooh, in the Harry Potter universe. That's where they come from. I didn't know <laughs> that. All right. So if you're if you're part of that universe, th- this this story is a little closer to home. Well, this this creature honestly sounds very intriguing to me. Uh, you mentioned it doesn't seem. Uh, violent at all it's it's almost like a, a river horse if you will uh kind of porpoisey like it's surfacing to the top uh, kind of almost playful the, the manatee and seal i mean it, it, it describes that kind of creature yeah it seems to come to the top to breathe on a regular basis doesn't seem to be intimidating or dangerous it doesn't really attack anyone now i believe elephant seal males are, are territorial yes yes but i mean maybe he's just lonely yeah he's looking uh, for a friend well people were afraid too uh, now, there are reports that this was potentially a hoax by uh, uh, Bateman to protect his, his crops and, and then that area he was, he was, he may have been responsible for, but that doesn't explain the sightings that happened before and after. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, and you mentioned like every 40 years-ish, but you had several sightings there that was kind of documented. It was also interesting. It was the same general vicinity. Yeah. Um, you know, and the White River is a large river, but of course uh, it connects up commonly known where I, I am is around the Branson area and the White River area there that connects up to the lower part of Missouri. But a very interesting story. I think it's I think it's plausible. I mean, my vote is, uh, now how the heck an elephant seal or, or one of those uh, manatees maybe got that far, that's, that's maybe to figure out another day. I'm not yeah. real sure on that one. Interesting, interesting. Well, I've got yet another story I'd like to share. Uh, this is back up at the Lake of the Ozarks area. Um, here in Missouri, at the Lake of the Ozarks, right around mile marker number 31. It's not just 30 or 40 foot of murky waters and mud beneath you. The fact is, there's the remnants of an entire town that is beneath the waters of the lake. Uh, for those around here might be familiar, it's, it's Old Lynn Creek. Supposedly, it was the only complete town to be covered by water when the Osage River was dammed up in the 1920s to create Bagnell Dam. Old Lynn Creek was founded back in 1841. That was about 20 years before the Civil War. It prospered into the mid-1950s. It was considered a major hub port for transporting goods and people across southwest Missouri. Even in the days of the steamboating era, uh, which ended in the 1920s, the town was fortunate enough to be connected to the outside world by State Route 5 and Highway 54. So the steamboats kind of dwindled off. They still had the highways and byways, so Lynn Creek still continued to prosper. With time came expansion and innovation, and in 1929, the locals were told, and I can't imagine this, but the locals uh, were told basically in a little meeting, your entire town is going to be underwater. <laughs> I, can't, I can't imagine that would have been a great meeting. Worst town hall meeting ever. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, due to the project of uh, damming up the Osage River that would eventually become Bagnell Dam. Uh, during that time frame, uh, the now submerged ghost town had nearly two dozen commercial buildings uh, a dozen or more homes, and three churches. Um, while other accounts state all in all there was close to 100 structures. So that's kind of up to interpretation. But anyhow, a well-established town. Um, they are now at the bottom of the Lake of the Ozarks. Uh, Lynn Creek, the new Lynn Creek town, is built there. Uh, but the old Lynn Creek is what we're talking about that's now, there at the bottom of the water. Now, are these, were these structures flooded intact or... That's a great question, because one of the 
ghost stories, if you will, that comes from the Lake of the Ozarks, is there's accounts of church bells being heard ringing from beneath the lake, especially those dark, dreary nights while fishermen are out, maybe catfishing, running the limb lines and trot lines. There are other accounts that during droughts, the water levels can drop as much to 10 to 12 feet, pretty common, that occasionally fishermen and, and passengers and visitors and stuff will see uh, the church steeple or a bell tower can still be saw. Um, many fishermen and locals who live right around the area actually even caution, if you hear the tolls of the bell, be cautious, something bad is about to happen. It's been associated with being heard right before boating accidents, drownings, fires, or other natural disasters. Not to mention, if you're out at the lake after night, what could possibly be creepier than hearing a muffled bell chime from beneath your boat? And I don't know your own personal experience, but I've, I've been out on the lake and, and at night, and when it's dark and quiet and you just hear the water lapping, I can't imagine hearing... Ghostly church bells. And then you got giant catfish, piranha, <laughs> and now we've got church bells beneath. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to get off the water. I did a little research into this, and I found some facts that I feel need to be shared concerning this ghost story. Number one, before the old town of Lynn Creek was abandoned uh, to the rising lake in early 1931, most of all of its 100-plus buildings were razed or torn down. Number two. Several photos were published in a book called Before the Dam Waters by T. Victor Jeffries and actually show the gutted remains of one of the three churches, uh, the Methodist Church, which was made of stone and mortar. The other ones, from what I am told in research, were wooden structures. In the photo, on the underside supports of the bell tower were already removed. So this bell tower is just kind of precariously hung up there. And you can actually see cables connected. And it, it actually, the statement underneath the picture says, the bell tower is about to be raised, which is an old term meaning tore down. Uh, so I find it a little hard to believe. Uh, when they actually showed a city scene uh, later on in the, in the book, all three of the churches and anything in the main street, if you will, the main town, was piles of rubble, but the, the tallest would have been the height of a normal man standing in front of it. So the fact that bell towers are still being saw, much less the bells were still intact, may be a little hard to believe. Um, but that kind of brings us to the point, what is it that people believe that they see? Um, first off, I think there is the I want to believe aspect. Uh, people just want to believe they can see things in the water. As Bill had mentioned uh, before, often water depths can play tricks on your eyes. Uh, with cascading light and murky water reflections, a person might truly believe they can see the steeple tower when really it's 30 or 40 foot of, of deep water. Well, and again, with Lake of the Ozarks, it's it's murky water. So yeah. you, you don't see much in it. Now, if you're on the surface of the lake looking down, you can, you know, maybe the mind does play tricks. You can see some things waving, you know, movie. It, maybe you think you see something. Exactly. Um, you know, people misconstrue. They think they see something. Um Thirdly, however, and I thought this had a little bit of merit, there is what they call an old iron smelter uh, off of Bollinger Creek Cove. Uh, it's an impressive stone structure that seems kind of out of place. It's a half-submerged uh, stone structure along the shoreline, and it could easily be mistaken as the old Methodist church bell tower, especially at your point of view of the lake uh, with the water levels changing and you're looking ahead. It actually looks like a bell tower sticking up 
But when you get there, it's actually several miles away from where Old Lynn Creek would have been submerged. But again, you get out on the lake and you're drifting and you're fishing. I could easily see where that could be misconstrued. But what about those bell tolls that you hear from beneath the water? Well, scientific fact, bells don't resonate underwater. <laughs> it's basically the equivalent of taking two blocks of iron and trying to smash them under the water. At best, you're going to hear kind of a thunk thunk. Uh, definitely not the eerie bell tones that you might hear underneath the water. Given the available evidence, it would appear that the mystery of the submerged church steeple and tolling bell from the depths are, like many rumored tales, possible just a collection of misunderstood facts that are passed along, possibly embellished to a point where a legend is born. The only visible remains is the old cemetery of Lynn Creek, which is atop of the old uh, uh, tall hill in the vicinity that was not originally covered by the water, and New Lynn Creek was built, of course, around that area. However, I will end this one with a possible different way of thinking. Consider, if you will, the old Methodist church. Undoubtedly, it was a place of profound emotion, weddings, funerals, a place where prayers were offered up and from a hallowed spot, some prayers of joy, other heartfelt grief to those and those early settlers. Though the building might be in rubble at the bottom of the lake, might not the spirit and the energy of those long gone still dwell there today? It's still hollowed water, if you will, uh, hollowed ground. But we'll let you be the judge of that. So we're going to say this concludes yet another episode of just a few of the things that you might find nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thank you very much, everyone. I would like to thank uh, Alex Tudor, who has been helping us uh, a lot uh, with our endeavors on this podcast. You can call him our producer at this point, I think. Our producer, electronic recording technician. Uh, um, he's uh, the one that's setting up all the mics and the hardware in the background. And then Bill Weirs is going through taking his time to try to clean and edit this up and uh, give us the best possible version that we can present to you folks. want to thank everybody involved with that. Also, would like to say, if you're interested in uh, taking a listen to our local band, Phantom Sam, who has provided our uh, Nightmares on the Lost Highway theme song, if you will, uh, we will be sharing a link on our Facebook page. Uh, if you would love to go check out their unique sound, they've got some wonderful stuff going on. So we appreciate our support for us, um, and also we would appreciate support for them as well. Thank you very much.